evening. I want everybody to know that I come up here tonight fully with my faith in Jesus to keep me standing in these shoes for the next 34 minutes. I couldn't quite decide if it was a good idea. I decided to go for it. It says, faith without works is dead. Here I am. Uh, As Micah said, my name is Jessica. If I haven't gotten the treasure of meeting you, I'm the student I'm the pastor over student ministries here at Bridgeway, and I have an amazing husband. His name is John, and I have a five-year-old Mills and a three-year-old Maggie as well. And so that's another reason I wanted to wear these shoes, because when you hang out with a five-year-old and a three-year-old, you don't get to wear shoes like this very often. You got to really take advantage of it. Um, I actually wanted, I've been looking forward to telling you all a story that happened with my five-year-old yesterday, because I think he's cute. And this is a great opportunity to share his cuteness with you all. So yesterday we had a big day. We had some family in town and we went out to eat at White Duck Taco because it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. If there's one thing you can agree with me tonight, I promise you that's, that's it. White Duck Taco. And after we got in the car from eating, my five-year-old Mills very aggressively tapped me on the back of my neck. He was sitting behind me and he I mean, was very enthusiastic. I was pretty sure he was going to tell me how to solve world hunger. And he said, mom, did you know that librarians have to eat really fast? And I thought, is he about to tell me a joke? And I just sat there. I mean, I really didn't understand. And my husband, John said, Mills, why do you think librarians eat fast? And Mills said, well, they have to eat fast, Dad, because they have to get back to writing all the books. (laughs) What I love about that was that he never said, do librarians write all the books? He was sure of that. He was so sure of that, that he felt very confident to be sure of the fact that they ate really fast. And I love that. I love a kid's logic. I love the confidence in a kid's logic. Um... However, tonight, I want it to be a warning to all of us that let's not be so sure that we know what we know as we get into the word this evening. Because I did that with this scripture a couple months ago, and I quickly learned from the Lord that as much as I thought I knew about what this word means and about how active it was in my life, it wasn't as simple of a truth as I thought it was. It was a very in-depth truth. And so we're in chapter three of James and that's where we're gonna be picking up tonight. We've been in James for a while. If this is your first week with us and you've not been here, the, the important kind of banner that this series opened up with is that we learn from the very get-go in James that this book is a book of standards. This isn't the book of Christian eliteness. This is the, the standard truth, the standard fruit of what friendship with God looks like. And so it's from that posture that we want to step in to tonight's reading. And it's 12 verses and I'm just going to read them. And we're just going to see what, what does the word of God say? So I want to jump right in. I'm reading out of the Christian standard Bible and we're going to have it on the screen as well. But um, there's something just really great for me about reading from my Bible. So I'm going to read from here. And we're just going to take this verse by verse. So, chapter 3, verse 1. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, 
because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. Now, I love this verse and I hate this verse and I feel like I could probably talk for 35 minutes about this verse, but I won't because that would make for a really long night since there's 12 of them. However, what I will say is that a lot of people must have wanted to be teachers for him to need to say, not many should become teachers. And teachers, I did some studying on this, and teachers were a very specific role that when someone came to know Christ and to receive Christ, they would then sit under teachers who would teach the word. And so you see throughout scripture that, that they say there's difference between a preacher and a teacher. And we, we hear that language, but a teacher is someone who takes the word and sits with you and says, let me teach you what it says. And we may not do that formally, but I think throughout our journey tonight, we'll discover that we actually do often like to take those moments and maybe sometimes a little too quick where we haven't quite gotten through our own journey enough, yet we think, I need to be teaching others about this. And, and James is saying right off the bat, we need to be really careful because what you think you know, you may not know. And once you, once you actually know it and you do have the authority to teach it, there's a much higher expectation that's gonna come on you. And if you truly understand that you're gonna be a little bit slower to make sure that you know something before you go teaching it. And so he starts right off with that. We go into verse two. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. I love this Bible. I read it every morning. I mark it up. When I first got it, I was like, I will never write in this. And that's just not the case. I mark all in it. I love it. Um, However, I have studied this verse and I think that the word choice of this version for this specific verse um, is is not giving it justice. And that there's a very important reason that I wanna read this from a different version. So this one verse, we're gonna also read from the ESV. And it says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. This is important because the translation there for mature is perfect. And I know we've all at some point said, he is so mature for his age. She is so mature for, that, for, for, her, for her age. Maturity is something that we know and we're familiar with and we can be confident in. But I want us to not be too quick to say, oh yeah, I'm mature. I can totally control my mouth. The other reason that I wanted to look at this version is because it says, able also to bridle his whole body. And one of the things we're gonna learn tonight is that there's a major difference between bridling and controlling. A bridle, we actually see in a horse. And I have a picture for us. There's so much illustration in the scripture and I love it. This is a bridle, the thing on the horse's mouth. And a bridle actually helps direct the horse. So it's not that the mature, that the one who is complete in his learning is able to control his mouth, is that he's able to direct his whole body. 
we sang tonight about, Lord, you are Yahweh. Everything is for you. This book of James is teaching us that if we mean that, it has to look like something. And if we're really gonna make him be the king of my life, then I have to give him the reins of my life. And that starts with the tongue. We'll continue in verse three. Now, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. Now, this is important because before it was talking about a bridle and how the bridle is used to direct. So when you saw that picture of the bridle, there's multiple parts of a bridle. The bridle is actually what holds together the reins of a horse and the bit of a horse, which is what he talks about in this verse. And I have a picture of the bit for you. And that metal bar actually goes in the horse's mouth. Now, I'm not an equestrian by any imagination, but I have been reading some about this. And it's very fascinating. There's a lot of website pages and documents and blogs all about this one piece, about the bit. Because a lot of people say, well, doesn't that hurt the horse? Doesn't that hurt the, hurt the horse? And some say, no, it does not hurt the horse. It does not hurt the horse. But I really appreciated what one person wrote. They said, the fact is, is that it does. It puts pressure on them. But it's through the pressure that the horse actually can be directed. It's what directs him to jump when he needs to jump, to speed up when he needs to speed up, to slow down when he needs to slow down. It puts a pressure in his mouth. And when he actually does go the right direction from the, from the bridle and from the reins, the driver of the horse can even let up almost like a reward saying, that's right. Keep doing that. Keep going at that pace, but can quickly put pressure if needed. And this is important because that word bit in the Greek, the root word actually means to bring down from a higher place to a lower place. He's saying the mature know how to bridle their body. They know how to direct it. The way you direct it is by giving the reins to the one who needs to be driving your life. And that starts, that whole process is dependent on a bit in the horse's mouth and a bit in our mouth. Are we willing to allow the Lord to put a little pressure on us? I love where this book, where this chapter lands because right before this last week, we learned a lot about faith without works is dead. And we learned about going out and what it actually looks like to be what we believe. And that's great. And I think it was very purposeful of James that as we're going out and we're, we're, we're preaching and acting what we believe, that he reminds us it's not just about the big glory moments. It's not about just having all the fun with Jesus. Are you willing for him to put a bit in your mouth? Are you willing for him? Are you gonna give him the ability to put some pressure on you when you're not quite going the way he's asking you to? And so that's why I love this verse because it says that in actually in order for him to to have the bridle, in order for him to direct us, it has to start by him bringing us lower from a higher place. It has to start with humility. 
This is about the tongue that we're about to learn, but I wanna assure you that the maturity that we're desiring only comes from the humbleness that he can give you. Let's keep reading. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. I love this because first we have a horse and it talks about a bridle, but the bridle is only as good as the one who has the reins. Now we're talking about a rudder. The, uh, The rudder is only as useful as the pilot who's driving it. I have a picture again. I'm a very visual person, so this helps me. I really wanted to find a picture of a ship in this picture, but I couldn't find one that I could assure you was the same one. But I think you can tell from this, that's the rudder right there. I think you can tell that the ship is pretty large. We wanna give God the reins in our life. And we say, yes, God, you can have it all. You can have it all. But surely not my mouth. Surely not the things I speak. That's so... I mean, good gracious, I must speak a million words a day. Such a small thing, just the tongue. There's a myth that the tongue is the strongest muscle in your, in your body. I was very disappointed to find out that that's not true. It's one of the strongest. But one of the things that I saw in every single article that I read was that what amazes scientists the most is that your tongue is the one muscle that never gets tired. It never, think about that. When is the last time they're like, I'm sorry, I just, I can't. (laughs) My tongue needs a break. You never say that. I'm sorry, this meal looks delicious, but my tongue has been in overtime today. That might actually motivate us to shut our mouth a little bit. If we were like, if I keep talking, I ain't gonna be able to enjoy my dinner time, so I need to hush. But it's not true. Your tongue never gets tired. It's the smallest, it's one of the smallest muscles. And the reason that it can be considered one of the small, the strongest muscles is because even though it's one of the smallest in comparison to how much it moves, it's, it is one of the strongest. It's like in the top four, which is impressive. Not as impressive for me, but if my really hunky husband was standing here with all his really strong muscles, it would be a lot more impressive. There's a lot of strong muscles. I mean, we see bodybuilders that lift all these massive weights and all their leg muscles and all their arm muscles that do all of that, the tongue is stronger than that in comparison to what it can lift, in comparison to what it can do. And that's what he's saying here. Yes, we can fast and we can exercise and we can go to church and I can get up and I can read my Bible and I can do all the things but there's actually one small part of our body that really tells the Lord, do I have you? And it's your tongue. It's your mouth. Let's keep reading. Consider how small fire, consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, 
sets the course of life on fire and itself set on fire by hell. I'm not going to lie to y'all. When I read that, I was like, can I skip that verse? It doesn't say for the young, the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. The immature, it doesn't say for the fools, for the foolish ones. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness is placed among our members. He talked about a fire. I want to show you some pictures of a, a forest fire that was somewhat recent in Oregon. A massive forest fire. I have one more picture that really just shows. I mean, this was a huge fire. Very, very devastating. And as I was reading about this, I was amazed. This, this forest fire that you see that went, I mean, destroyed land. I mean, just so much land, so many homes was all started by one small firecracker. Let's see a firecracker. I want, I want to make sure we understand this right here. A little teeny firecracker. And I think this is very fitting for this verse. Not just because he talks about a forest fire, but because a firecracker is never safe. You can be safe. You can, you can choose safe practice. But the reason people are so careful with the firecracker is because they recognize that the firecracker is always dangerous. Now you may say, well, of course I wouldn't light it in the middle of a forest. Even if I light it in the most safe conditions, there's an opportunity for it to burn me. There, are, there is no situation where you don't need to be careful with a firecracker. Unless you are foolish and immature. That's why as we get older, we go from like lighting firecrackers and running around to being the parent that's like freaking out about it. A firecracker? No. Never. But it's because we mature, and as we mature, we don't become more careless in how we handle such a dangerous thing. We become more careful in how we handle a dangerous thing. And it's the same with our tongue, or it should be. That's what the scripture is saying. It should be the same with our tongue. Our tongue is, is always has the potential for danger. Our tongue can always get us in trouble. We like to think, well... Surely I have enough wisdom to handle myself in this conversation. Or it was just my husband. I was just talking with my husband. He's my covenant mate. It's all good. I can say whatever I want. Mm -mm. You can't. Because you're going to be accountable for whatever you say. And then the next verse is where I really want us to pay attention and hunker down in. But no one, I'm sorry, verse seven. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. In other versions, it says, but no one can control the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. No one can control their tongue. 
This is very important when you put it up to verse two. The mature one will bridle his tongue. No one can control his tongue. So the moment you think I've got this, I'm all good. And you start carelessly playing with that firecracker. You are, you are in the most dangerous place that you can be. For it's the mature one that understands I have to submit my tongue because it is a world of unrighteousness in me. And I am not willing to take the chance. I will not be careless with my words. Because I understand that at any moment, that firecracker could hurt me. At any moment, that firecracker could hurt someone else. That, that young boy who, set the fi- who threw the firecracker into an area of the forest that led to the forest fire, at first, when it all ca- happened, they were laughing when they first arrested the boys. They were laughing. There's video footage of them. By the time he stood in court, he was weeping. When they arrested him, he just looked like this arrogant punk. Like, huh, whatever. I'm just like chatting with my friends. It's totally fine. I didn't really mean what I said. But by the time our consequences are staring us dead in the face and we look around and we see the destruction that our words have, have caused, then we weep because we can't actually take it back. It's too late because we became careless with our words. We thought I'm the one who can control my words. I've got this. I work with firecrackers all the time. I know what I'm doing. But that's where forest fires explode. Matthew, I mean, Proverbs 18, 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, part of this is that life is in the power of the tongue. Some of you got to experience that tonight. Some of you took the courageous step to go out into the city before service. And as you put that bit in your mouth and you gave the reins to the Holy Spirit, he led you to speak life into people. And you could have chosen not to. You, you might have even considered a couple really good excuses not to, but you still showed up. And you said, no, because you've got the reins, Holy Spirit. And you got to experience what it was like for life to be given through your mouth. But death is also. And the way in which we care for our words is the fruit that we will eat. I'm going to pick back up in verse 9. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. We have to not be too quick to think it's not us. 
we've got to not be too quick to say, no, my, good, my words are good and pure and lovely and admirable. For it's God who knows the motive of the heart. Proverbs 16, two tells us that. Let's read that together. Oh, I can flip to it. Proverbs 16. Oh, there we go. All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs his motives. And it's the motive that carries the power. So what this looks like is when we say, well, I've really, I mean, I just need to stand up for truth. The truth must be heard. I'm speaking this for their good. And it sounds like true facts, but it's not actually truth. And Job, we, want, we don't have the time to read the whole story, but I want to encourage you to go read this for yourself. At the end of Job, God goes to his friends and he says, I'm angry at you because you did not speak truth. The thing is, is if you read back at what Job's friends said, they said a lot of true things. But when you study the Hebrew there, what God is saying is that you spoke a lot of true facts, but you did not speak my word. You did not speak my truth. So they intended to speak true. Let's speak the truth to each other. I wanna help you, Job. But what they did was they took the very words of God and took them out of context and out of time and did harm and caused death instead of life. Today, that looks like us saying, I've got to speak justice. And maybe, maybe we don't speak it out and about or here at church, but maybe we write a lot about it on social media. And that's not a bad thing. There's a lot of great things to speak out for. I got to have lunch this week with a lady who the Lord has given her an anointing to speak on behalf of an injustice. And she has seen fruit, life come from that. But sometimes in the name of justice, it can really be about, I wanna control what's going on in the world. I wanna control what's happening around me. I wanna control what you think about the thing that I think is important. And it's not actually about speaking the thing that the Lord's asking you to. It's not about being bold or courageous in the Lord. It's about being bold and courageous in yourself and proving that you have something to say. But God's not asking you if you have something to say. He's saying, will you let me say something through you? Will you shut up your mouth when I ask you to shut it? And will you open up your mouth when I ask you to open it? Because the same goes for control the other way. It's not just about gossip and slander. Sometimes the Lord's saying, I need you to open up your mouth because what you just, that, that, that word that came at you was not true. And I need you to speak truth back. And we go, I don't, I want to love. This is what Wendy told us about mislabeling. I just want to love them. And if God, if they're wrong, God will show them. And God's going, yeah, that's what I sent you for. And I need you to open up your mouth. So it's not just about closing up our mouth. It's not just about opening up our mouth. It's about who has the reins of your mouth. Amen. 
Are you more worried about having a right to speak than you are about being submitted to the king of the universe? Because you don't know the motives of your heart. When I read this scripture, this chunk of scripture two months ago, when I found out I was going to be teaching it, I thought, oh, okay, like this is good. And the Lord for the last two months has convicted me. My husband, John, and I were in the car a couple Saturdays ago. And he said something and it hurt my feelings. And somehow we got into a conversation. I don't know how it couldn't have been because of my tongue about his blind spots. And I said, no, babe, I, I have been on a journey for the last year and a half of learning how amazing my husband is. I mean, obviously I thought he was pretty great. I married the guy, but I mean, he carries such pure authority in the kingdom that I was blind to for too long. And I've been on a journey of the last year and a half of getting to see just how amazing he is. So I assure you, I do not carelessly throw words of judgment at my husband. And I, and I know that. So when he said like, I feel very accused about you right now. I thought, I, I said, I didn't think, I said. Babe, I wouldn't, you know, I love you. I would not accuse you. My motive is good, like, but I have to be able to tell you your blind spots. Like, I, we have to be in a good enough place that if I see something, like, I can say that. And because I've been reading James 3 a lot, I heard the Holy Spirit when he said, I need you to shut your mouth. And so I did. I just said to him, I'm very sorry that you felt accused by me. And that was enough. And when we got home, he was outside and I was standing in my kitchen. And the Lord said, your motives are wrong. Your motives are motives of self-protection. They are not motives of love. And I had to walk outside weeping, saying, I'm so sorry. I I didn't think, I thought I had gotten further than this. I didn't think that I would actually spew accusing words at you. I really didn't think that that was my heart, but it was. I was accusing you to protect me. We're not, we don't arrive. I I wish we did. I, I want to arrive, trust me. I messaged one of my friends this week, halfway in tears, halfway laughing, because I really want to arrive. Even though I, it's like I keep learning We're not gonna arrive and I keep discovering how bad I want to arrive. But we don't arrive. Only he knows the motives of our heart. I wanna read Matthew. This is Jesus talking, okay? This is is Jesus. Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, 
people will have to account for every careless word they speak. On the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. This isn't Matthew Henry's commentary. This is Jesus. For by your words, by your words, and let me assure you, I looked up the Greek word and that word means words. It doesn't mean your heart, your intentions. It means your words. For by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. There is no safe zone. There is mercy, which is why I, have, I am learning to shut my mouth a lot quicker because I am recognizing my need for mercy. It is only by mercy that when I stand on judgment day that I will not be held accountable for the careless words I spoke to my husband in the car that day. It is not because I didn't think that it was coming from a bad place or because I truly didn't want to hurt my husband or judge my husband. It will come because I shut my mouth when Holy Spirit told me to. And I owned up and I learned from what happened. We cannot be careless with our words. We cannot call it processing when we, when we speak gossip and slander. And we cannot call it loving when we do not speak truth. If you want to be mature... If you want to grow in friendship with God, it has to start somewhere. And I'm gonna suggest it start in the smallest, most devious part of who you are. And that's in your mouth. Some of us this evening need to surrender our right to have a voice. Some of us this this evening need to give God back the reins. We need to admit, you know what, Lord? Whether it's in my community, maybe it's at work. Maybe your boss was the boss's, the owner's son that never even worked at all in the business and he's a fool and he doesn't know nothing. And you have been working there your whole life and you know something. And you know all about how that business should be ran. And you've got a lot, like, you got a lot of true things going on. But you don't have the right to speak down on him. You don't have the right to slander him. You don't have the right to discourage him. What is it that the Lord might be showing you to say, I need you to surrender your right to control your tongue? in that area of your life. I need you to shut your mouth. Some of us this evening need to open our mouth. I've had multiple times in the last two months where I've been thinking back on a conversation that the Lord will bring to mind. And he'll say, right there, that's where you should have said something. And at first, I used to say, okay, next time I will. We said, okay, we'll be right here on the mountain of friendship when you're ready. 
And so I, I've, been, I've been learning. I've been learning when he says right there, that's when you should have said something. Now I got to call that person back. Or I got to go up to that person and I got to say, I get to say, you know what? I didn't say something, but I should have. And I'm not actually loving you unless I speak. I'm not actually loving you unless I, I be very clear that, I, that there's some truth here that I think that needs to be put on the table. So we need to open up our mouth. If you don't know where to begin in this, I would suggest um, praying in tongues, your prayer language. In 1 Corinthians 14, it tells us that our prayer language is for us and God. It's this ability to speak from our realm to his realm and it be unable to be interpreted or interrupted by anything, even our own minds. I specifically felt like the Lord said that there's some people in here that have been wanting the gift of tongues, that have been wanting to receive your prayer language. And the reason that it's bound up is because you still want control of your mouth. You want to be able to control how you look to others. You don't want to make a fool of yourself. I want to encourage you, let tonight be the night that the enemy no longer gets to keep one of the greatest gifts God gave you from you. Let be t- tonight be the night that you surrender that control so that he can open up your mouth with one of the greatest gifts. So when you find yourself in a situation and you're not sure what to say, or you find yourself in a conversation even in your own head, and you're thinking, I don't want this conversation in my head to take root. What I've had to learn to do is to immediately start praying in tongues. It's the one time that I'm using my tongue out loud and I'm actually not in control at all. It's the ultimate surrender of your tongue is to pray in your prayer language. Because it's the one time that my tongue is releasing sound without me getting to decide what that sound is. No wonder it's such a gift. No wonder it's such a powerful gift. Tonight, what I wanna make sure we walk away from here understanding is that to be mature in Christ doesn't mean to have control over our tongue. It means to surrender our tongue. So I wanna invite the band back up And I want us to move into a time where we get to respond. Because the power of life and death are in the tongue. Tonight, you have the power to come forward and speak, whether it's to speak surrender or whether it's to partner with somebody to get your prayer language, you have that opportunity. How will you respond and take a hold of the life and the freedom that God is offering you. It has to start with owning up. It has to start with putting the bit in your mouth, allowing him to bring you down from higher places. It has to start with us humbling ourselves. And so at this time, if prayer servants can come forward, I wanna invite you that if you're someone that needs to surrender something to the Lord today. Let it be out loud. Let it be with someone. 
if you're someone that has not received your prayer language for, for whatever reason, please come down. It is the greatest tool to begin the journey of allowing him to take the reins of your tongue. And if you're someone in here that maybe you're realizing, gosh, my words have been full of gossip or slander. Let tonight be the night that you confess that to your king out loud with your words and come out of agreement with the things that you've stood in agreement with. Every word matters. And on judgment day, we will stand before the throne and be held accountable for every careless word. This doesn't mean we need to be paranoid. It means we need to be careful. We need to be humble. We need to recognize, I have a firecracker in my mouth. Will we allow him to be Yahweh, Lord, over every word we speak? Please come forward. We have a whole team here that would love to minister to you.